Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Well, good morning, church. So good to be gathering together this morning. So good to be able to worship the Lord together. And uh, it's time for us to go to the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me uh, to Isaiah uh, chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. And I'd like to read uh, the first uh, 1 to 7 uh, verses. Uh, This Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night, we have our prayer meeting as we do uh, the first Wednesday of every month. And so we want to encourage you to tune in uh, 7.30 on uh, on Wednesday night and uh, we'll pray together. More than ever, I believe as a church, we need to be praying and interceding and crying out to God. And also uh, in the coming weeks, we'll be uh, getting in touch with you, letting you know about uh, what you know June, July looks like for us uh, in terms of uh, coming back together uh, again in some capacity. Uh, as a church. Isaiah chapter 6, I want to read from verse uh, 1. The Bible says this, Isaiah 6 verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man with, of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Well, then one of the seraphs flew to me with a, with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to gather even this morning to worship you and to to glorify you, Lord God. And we just invite you by the Holy Spirit to come wherever we we have gathered to, to watch this service, to be part of this service today. Just come by your Spirit. Let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation even as I speak, as we hear your word, Lord God. Bind every distraction, every work of the enemy. Let there be faith in your people to receive from you today. Father, we need a word from you. We want to believe for miracles even this morning as your word is being preached, Father God. Let the word of God come into people's hearts and lives. Let it make a difference today, Lord God. We just don't want more information. We want the spirit of God to move in our hearts even today. We know the power of your word. Minister, I pray. We thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord God. Just come amongst us, I pray, and we will give you all the glory and the praise that is due to your name. Amen and amen. Well, we're in a series entitled uh, Great uh, Men and Women of Faith. Hebrews chapter 12 is our key text uh, that we're looking at. And it says, therefore, this is the beginning of uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The image that the writer is using here in Hebrews is the image of a runner running into an arena. It's the Olympic Games and and it's the marathon and the runner is just entering into the arena. And the, the, the writer was writing to a Greek audience who understood this image powerfully. And so the writer is saying, listen, just as a runner is encouraged by the cheer of the crowd as they enter the arena, we too have a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on as we run this race, the race that God has marked out for us. Great cloud of witnesses are described in the preceding chapter in Hebrews chapter 11. It's people like Abraham and Joseph and Moses and and Sarah and Rahab and people who were commended for their faith. It's the the great uh, chapter of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. And the writer says, I want you to think about these people. I want you to think about their lives so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I don't know about you, but... In life, all of us, from time to time, will grow weary. We will lose heart. Um, All of us, at some point in our life, in our in our in our walk with God, in our in in in, as we run the race that God has marked out for us, we'll go through times where we feel like giving up. Where we we say, you know, I just I just this is just too hard. This is just too hard. And it's in those times that there's a strong temptation to stop running. The writer is saying one of the things that's going to help us is the great cloud of witnesses. The writer is saying, I want you to, when you're feeling like this, I want you to think about the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us because they might be able to encourage us and help us in our own race, in our own walk with God. So the question we're looking at in this series is if this cloud of witnesses, if these men and women of faith could run out of the crowd, if they could come out of the crowd, what would they say to us? How would they encourage us? What would they say about the things that they've learned in life? Um, what words of wisdom would they give us to help us and to guide us even as we're running our own race? Well, last week we looked at Paul, the Apostle Paul, just a powerful uh, thought there about the Apostle Paul. And today we're going to look at uh, the prophet Isaiah. And I just want you to imagine Isaiah kind of stepping out of the crowd and uh, he's on the sidelines and and we're running as as we're running along. He's running alongside of us. And the big question for us today is what would he say? What would he say to encourage us? What kind of words of wisdom would he give us? What, What would he tell us to encourage us to keep on running the race? Well, the, the big thought I think would be that Isaiah would say that God has an assignment for us, that God has a unique assignment for us. Key verse in Isaiah, I love the book of Isaiah. There's just uh, so much that we can learn from that. So many key scriptures, so many key verses uh, in, in the whole book of Isaiah. Um, uh, but there's one that stands out for me, and it's the one we read in our text. It's Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me. Lord, if nobody else wants to go, I'll go. You can count on me, Lord God. And I pray that God would speak to us today as we look at the life of Isaiah. I just pray that we would get a sense of call in our own lives. I pray that there would be a sense of, you know, God wants to do something in and through our lives even today. 
Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament, which means uh, he, uh, he spoke on behalf of God. That's what a prophet did. Uh, a, a prophet would speak the word of the Lord. They were also referred to as seers uh, because obviously they could see what God was, was saying to God's people. Uh, he lived in a time between 2 Kings chapter 15 and 2 Kings uh, chapter 20. You'll read about uh, Isaiah in those, those kind of chapters and how uh, he impacted some of the king's lives, including uh, King Uzziah, as we, as we read. Um, Book of Isaiah is, is part of the major prophets. There are 66 chapters uh, in the book of Isaiah. It's a major prophet only because of the size of the book. Um, uh, that, uh, that Obviously, there's 66 chapters in, in that book. Um, one of the unique things about uh, Isaiah is the many prophecies uh, about Christ. You, you'll find uh, cr- prophecies about his birth, um, about his life. And then obviously uh, about the death of uh, Jesus and some some of the very clear, specific uh, prophecies about the life of Jesus. But one of the key passages in Isaiah that I believe um, speaks to us so powerfully is the call of Isaiah. And it's a passage of scripture that is spoken to me so often, a passage of scripture that I've gone back to again and again. And and I pray that it it would speak to us. Like Paul, uh, Isaiah had this incredible encounter with God that changed his life dramatically. So here was Isaiah uh, heading in a certain direction, and then he has this encounter with God, this powerful encounter with God that changed his life dramatically. Um, And my prayer today, as we look at this passage of scripture is that we would have an encounter with God. My prayer is that, that, we, would, that we would meet with God, that God would meet with us, that, an, an encounter that would change our lives, an encounter that would change how we think, how we behave, that would change uh, some of the strongholds or some of the struggles that we're going through, uh, an encounter that would change the direction of our lives um, so that we can be everything that God has called us to be, Because I, I believe from time to time, like Isaiah, God wants to intersect with our lives. It's not something that happens every single day. It's not something that, that happens on a regular basis. But from time to time, there are, there, are, there are these encounters that we have with God that have the capacity to influence us, influence the direction of our lives in a powerful way. And my, my prayer today, as we look at this text, my prayer for you today is that you would have an encounter with God that would in somehow impact you in such a powerful way and that would, would change you and that would change the direction of your life. So the question uh, for us today is, what would Isaiah say to us? What would Isaiah say to us? Well, the first thing Isaiah would say, I believe, Uh, is that God wants to reveal himself to you in a greater and a deeper way. Isaiah 6 begins with the words, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, and each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with the glory of God. Isaiah has this incredible uh, encounter with God that changed his life. And I I, I believe that's God's desire uh, for all of us is to reveal himself in a powerful way. Last week, we looked at the Apostle Paul and 
uh, what happened to him and how Jesus appeared to him on the Damascus road. There he was uh, traveling towards uh, Damascus because he wanted to persecute and, and uh, kill more Christians for their faith. And as he's, as he's uh, traveling on the Damascus road, uh, Jesus appears to him in a powerful way. And Jesus says to him, what are you doing, Paul? What are you doing? And immediately, Paul acknowledges Christ. He calls him Lord. And from that moment on, his life was changed dramatically. Paul was a religious man. He observed all the rules and all the rituals. He was someone who, who definitely uh, wanted to please God in some way, but he, but he had no clue who God was. He was a religious man, but he had no clue who God was. He was a man that was observing all the religious rituals, but he had no clue who God was. He had no relationship with God whatsoever. Like so many people today, they belong to a religion or follow religious traditions, but they have no idea who God is and what God wants to do with his life. And Paul has this encounter with Christ that changed his life. And I believe that one of the greatest, one of the greatest encounters that we can have with, with God, one of the greatest encounters that we can have in our life is when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. When we come to know Jesus, not as some historical figure or a religious figure, but when we come to know him as our Lord and Savior, as someone that we can have a relationship, as someone who's interested in our lives, I believe that's the greatest encounter all of us can have and we spoke about that last week but listen not only does Christ want to reveal himself to us as our Lord and Savior I believe he wants to reveal himself to us again and again he wants to speak to us about our future he wants to reveal himself as our healer he wants to guide us he wants to lead us he wants to challenge us I can, only, I can honestly say, uh, speak about my own life and how at different times in my life, it's like God has intersected uh, in my life and, 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 and God has spoken to me about different things that he wants me to do. And, and at times it's been, it's been a decision. I want you to do this or I want you to do something else or, or God has dropped a verse in, a, in, in my heart and in my, in my spirit. And I know that it was God uh, speaking to me and doing something in my life. Um, Deuteronomy says, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord, our God, is near us whenever we pray to him? You know, God wants to be involved in your life. You know, God cares about you. God cares ex about exactly where you're at. He's not only interested about in, in, in you about what you're going through today. He's also interested in your future. And he wants to speak to you about the kinds of things he wants to do with your life. And the scripture in, in Deuteronomy has certainly been a powerful scripture that I've come back to again and again. And, and I love it so much because it says, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them? The, the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him. He's not a God that is distant. He's not a God that is disinterested. He's not a God that really doesn't care about what you're going through. He's a God that is near us and he's near us whenever we cry out to him, whenever we pray to him, whenever we seek him. God, we serve once to bubble else, have a relationship with you. And so many of us settle for a shadow relationship with God, just a superficial relationship with God. And God, God says, I've got so much more in store for you. I haven't finished with you yet. Um, Isaiah 30 says this, uh, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, 
This is the way, walk ye in it. One of the things that God wants to do is he wants to speak to us about our lives, about the direction of our lives. So often in our lives, we don't know what to do. Do I go left or to, or do I go right? Uh, what, do, what do I do? Both decisions seem like uh, the right ones, but we know that only one of them is the right decision. Well, what do we do? Well, God is saying, listen, listen, if, if, you, if you cry out to me, if you get closer to me, if, if, you, if you draw nearer to me, I'm, I'm going to speak to you uh, in such a powerful way that you're going to be able to hear my voice and the voice is going to say, this is the way, walk ye in it. Isaiah 45, 3 says this, I will give you the treasures of darkness. This is God speaking to you and me. He's saying, I'm going to give you the treasures of darkness, those things that you don't know, those things that seem hidden. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to speak to you about those things and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of, of Israel. He's the God that calls us by our name. And he's interested in what we are going through. If Isaiah was running with us, he would say, don't settle for a shallow relationship with God. Press into God because he's got so much in store for you. He wants to reveal himself to you in a greater and a deeper way. And that's why I want to encourage you to just keep pressing into God. Keep crying out to God. Well, Pastor Joe, how do I do that? What, what, what do I need to do? Well, it's not that difficult at all. It's just simply praying to God. It's simply talking to God. It's simply saying, God, I just, I just want more of you. Lord God, I want to get closer to you. I want to know you in a greater and a deeper way. It's as simple as that. It's praying those words. It's speaking those words as you're walking, as you're working, Whatever it is that you're doing, as you become conscious of God, it's saying, God, I just want to know you in a greater and a deeper way. I want to get closer to you. I want to seek after you, Lord God. And as you, as you begin to pray those prayers, um, God will begin to reveal himself to us. And then from time to time, we're going to have an encounter with God, just as Isaiah has an encounter with God. Well, the second thing I believe Isaiah would say is God wants to change you. The first thing that God wants to do is reveal himself to us as our Lord and Savior. But the second thing I believe Isaiah would say to us is God wants to change us. Isaiah is in the, in the presence of God. He has this powerful vision of God. Angels are flying here and there. And, and, and then, and then uh, they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And notice verse 4, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a great verse. The foundations trembled at the sound of the angel voices. And then the whole house was filled with smoke. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's pretty powerful. Uh, we've got a lot of young people here at church at the moment that, you know, they'd like to have smoke in church. And it's biblical. It comes out of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 4. And the whole house was filled with smoke. And... Uh, anyway, we'll come back to that another time. Uh, this was a, a, an awesome sight. And, and, and then, then notice what happened. And in the presence of a holy God, Isaiah is suddenly filled with a consciousness of his sin. In, in the presence of a holy God, he is, is filled with a, a consciousness of his sin. And he says, woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king the Lord Almighty. Listen, before God uses us, he changes us. Before he works, works through us, he works in us. He loves us too much to keep us the same. All throughout scripture, we see 
some great examples of this. Joseph, you know, he's called by God as this dream and then he spends 13 years as a slave and as a prisoner. As God begins to work in his heart, Moses, 40 years, he, at the end of that first 40 years while he's in Egypt, he thinks he's the saviour of Israel. He thinks he can do this. He can lead them. And then, and then we know that for 40 years he spends uh, uh, in, the, in the desert. And what's God doing in that 40-year period? He's changing his heart, preparing him for what he's about to do in his life. David is called by God and then spends 13 years on the run from King Saul. And what was God doing during that 13-year period? God was changing his heart. God was preparing him for the task that was ahead of him. We could talk about so many people in the Bible, the disciples and so on. So many of us are interested in the assignment. God is interested in our character. So many of us are interested in what we're to do. God is interested in our character and who we are. And Isaiah's in the presence of God. And the first thing that happens, he's aware of his sin. And I love this passage because it speaks to all of us about the struggles we have in our own lives. Isaiah wasn't some perfect guy that was used by God. Uh, he had some issues in his life that he had to deal with. And it encourages me because all of us have got some things in our life we need to deal with. And I just love the way God deals with Isaiah because it's the way that God deals with us. Notice the first thing that happens. Isaiah confesses his sin. He doesn't blame his upbringing. You know, he's in the, it's in the presence of God. And the first thing he says, woe to me, I cried, for I am a man of unclean lips. He doesn't blame uh, 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 someone for, for, for what, what he's experienced. He doesn't excuse his behavior. He doesn't deny the struggle that he's, that he's going through. He doesn't take the position of a victim. Oh, poor me, poor me, poor me. First thing he does is he takes responsibility for his sin and he brings it into the presence of God. He says, woe to me, I cried. For I am ruined, I am a man of unclean lips. Listen, the greatest thing that we can do is bring our sin into the presence of God. The greatest thing that we can do is bring our struggles into the presence of God. So many of us have this desire to be used by God, but when we look at ourselves, we think, no way. There's no way that God could use me. There's no way that God could do something with my life. For Isaiah, it was the words that were coming from his mouth, but for us, it might be impure thoughts, issues, struggles. Addictions, guilt, shame, the past, hatred, anger, unforgiveness, and the list goes on and on and on. And I believe if Isaiah was running with us, he would say, listen, 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 God can change you. God can intervene in your life. God can transform you. God can help you with whatever struggle you're going through right now. This does not have to be the destiny of your life. God can intervene and change you. I believe Isaiah would remind us that we serve a God that can transform the human heart, uh, that God can heal our wounds, that God can transform us at the deepest level in our hearts. If you were in church right now, I'd say, give me a loud amen. <laughs> that as Ezekiel says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. We don't have to be victims of the past. We don't have to be just, just determined by, our future does not have to be determined by our past. God can give us a fresh start. God can change us. He can give us a new heart. 
by his grace and for his glory. So often what we try and do is we, change, we try and change ourselves. We think I've got to be stronger, you know, more disciplined, more determined. You know, I've got to try harder. I've got to deal with this stuff that's inside of me. I've got, I've got to work harder. Problem is the harder we try with our strength, the worse things get. I don't know if that's been your experience, but that's certainly been my experience. The more we try to stop something, the more we focus on it and the more we want to do it. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, he says, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, they're the things I do. And uh, it's just this powerful section there where Paul speaks about the struggles in his own life. And one of, one of the things you look at, that particular scripture, and I, and I, and I looked at this as I was reading it even this week, over 20 times, nearly 20 to 30 times, Paul makes reference to himself. I, I know things I want to do, I can't do, and the things I'd like to do, I don't want to do, and I do, and, and so on and so on. His focus is on himself. The situation changed when he said, and who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Sanctification, that is becoming more like Jesus, is not something we do with our, with, with our own strength. It's by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God. And sanctification is a cooperation with God. It begins by confessing the reality of our sin in the presence of God. It's the greatest thing that we can do. Bring our struggles into the presence of God. God already knows anyway. Begins by confessing our need for God. It begins by saying, I can't do this. When we get to the end of ourselves, then God begins to do a work in our hearts. He gives us the strength and he gives us the power and he gives us the grace. That's what grace is. The grace is the ability to do things we could not do with ourselves. It's the grace to overcome whatever challenge we have. Notice what Ezekiel says, and I will give you a new heart. I love that. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone. And I will put my spirit in you. We've got to believe that God is the God that can transform us, that God can change us, that God can intervene in our hearts and in our lives. Look at what Paul says to the Philippians, and I love this, this passage of scripture. It says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good pleasure. There is a part for us to play, but ultimately it's God who transforms the human heart. It's God who changes us. It's God who releases us from all of our struggles. It's God that can change the human heart. Isaiah says, you know, woe to me. He's in the presence of God. He's, he's, he has a vision of who God is. And this vision is impacting him so powerfully, but immediately in the presence of God, he's conscious of all of his shortcomings. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it certainly happened to me from time to time. As, a, as I come into the presence of God, as, a, as, a, as I come to know God in a greater, in, deeper, in a deeper way, I feel like I'm so far away from God. And, it, and it's, in, it's, in, it's in that point where we've got to make a decision. We, we'll either become introverted, we'll either turn in on ourselves and, and start to say, oh, I'm a terrible person and what's wrong with me? There's something wrong with me. There's something dysfunctional about me. The good news is we're all dysfunctional. It's just a question of degree, says Winky Pratney. 
And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants us to to, to turn in on ourselves so that then we'll self-destruct. What Isaiah does is is instead of doing that, he brings those struggles into the presence of God. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. That's it. That's who I am. And then this is powerful. And then one of the seraphs flew to me. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand. With it, he touched my mouth and said, this, this touch your lips, your guilt is taken away. I wonder, is there something in your life that you're struggling with? Is there something in your life that's stopping you from being used by God? You're trying to deal with this with self-will and, and self-discipline and self, 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 self. Why not bring it into the presence of God? Allow God to do what only God can do in your life. Set you free, deliver you, give you a brand new heart. Because Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. One of the concepts of Christianity, one of the metaphors of Christianity is that about being born again. And we kind of use that term loosely today, but that's what happens when we give our life to Jesus Christ. It's like we, we get a second chance. It's like, it's like we get to be born again as God transforms us into becoming everything that he has called us to be. God works in us before he works through us. God loves us too much to keep us the way we are. He's the God that transforms, not in a bad way, not into becoming something that we're never called to be. He transforms us so that we can become everything that God has called us to be. And the third thing Isaiah would say is that God wants to use you for his glory. The text continues and says, and then I heard the voice of the Lord say, whom shall I send? I'm looking, I'm looking for someone to send. Is there someone that I can send? And Isaiah is there in the presence of God and he says, here am I, send me. As our relationship with God deepens, as God begins to deal with the things in our lives that need changing, then God begins to reveal to us the unique plan that he has for our life. There's no greater thing that we can do with our lives than to serve the purposes of God. Moses is in the desert for 40 years. He's broken. He's wounded. He's, he's, he's at the end of himself. He's decided, I'm just going to be a shepherd for the rest of my life. He'd given up on this whole idea of being used by God. I mean, for goodness sake, he was a murderer. And as he's there in, as he's there in, the, in the desert, God one day appears to him in a burning bush and says, lead my people of Israel out of Egypt. God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to me about what he wants to do in our lives. There's one more encounter story in the Bible that I really love. It's the story of Jacob. Jacob had just um, deceitfully stolen the blessing from his from his, his brother Esau. You know the story, I've preached on it before. I just love this story because I believe it encourages us about the power of God. He's just deceitfully stolen the blessing from his brother. I mean, his mum's helping him, you know, trick his blind uh, dad and, um, and he blesses him. Isaac blesses him. Esau finds out and he wants to kill him. So Jacob decides to run to his uncle Laban's house. On his way there, 
on his way there, God speaks to him in a dream. He says, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Can we just pause for a second here? Can we, can we just understand the magnitude of what's just happened? Can we, can we just understand what God is doing here? Because I don't quite get it. I don't know about you, but um, you should be thankful that I'm not God, because I certainly wouldn't work the way he works sometimes. Here's Jacob. He's just deceived his brother. He is an absolute deceiver. He's done it again and again. Now he's on the run because of what he's just done. And just before he gets to his uncle Laban's house, what does God do? He speaks to him. And what does he tell him? He speaks to him about what he wants to do with his future. Your descendants shall be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. So Jacob is with his uncle. And there's another story there. He's with his uncle for about 20 years. And then he decides to go back and to face his brother. But in the meantime, he's wrestling with something inside of him. He's wrestling with something inside of him. He knows he has to change, but he can't seem to do it. So on the night before he was to meet with his brother, he's all alone. The Bible says he wrestles with a man that we know was either God or a representation of God. And he says to the man, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I just, love, I just love everything that that represents. Jacob as at the end of himself. He's tired of wrestling. He's tired of fighting. Not externally, he's tired of fighting inside of himself. He's, he's, he knows the battle is really within him. And, and what's happening on the outside is really a representation of what was happening inside of Jacob. And, and he's, he's fighting with God and he's saying, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And then the man says to him, and what is your name? And he says, my name is Jacob. And, uh, you know, it was, it was Jacob finally admitting, this is who I am. I am a deceiver. And the man said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. I wonder, is there something in your life that you're struggling with? Is there, is there something that is preventing you from being used by God? Why not surrender to God? Why not stop making excuses? Why not stop blaming someone else for where you are today? Why, why not take responsibility for your sin, yield to God, and allow Him to do what only He can do? Well, Pastor Joe, does that mean I don't have to do anything? Well, no, that's not how Christianity works. It always begins, sanctification always begins with God. We have an encounter with God. We come into the presence of God. And then God begins to speak to us about the things we need to do. As He speaks to us, we obey. As He speaks to us, we move. Hebrews says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders 
and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God has marked out a race for you. And the enemy wants to hinder you for whatever reason. He wants to trap you. He wants to stop. The enemy sees the incredible potential in you. And he wants to try to stop you from being everything that God has called you to be. God wants to help you and guide you and lead you. So why not present those struggles to the Lord even today? And as Isaiah did this, and the Bible says, then I heard a voice saying, whom shall I send? And who shall go for me? And Isaiah says, here am I, Lord. Here am I, send me. So I want to pray for you right now. Because there are some of you watching this. Now you, you know, as, as, I'm, as I'm speaking, you know exactly what I'm speaking about. For some of you, the struggle is real. For some of you, you love God. You want to be used by God. But there's a struggle that you're going through. There's a, there's a battle that you're going through right now. Come on, I want to believe that God is going to intervene in your life and my life even today. In the name of Jesus, we serve the God of the impossible. We serve the God of the Son. I've been praying that God is going to minister to some of us today, that today something's going to change, that today something's going to shift, that today, today something's going to move, that the direction of our life is going to move because His Word has been preached, because His Word is real. His power is real. We don't serve a weak God. We serve a powerful God who wants to intervene, intersect our lives because He's got a powerful call upon each and every one of us. So come on, I want to pray for you right now. And if this is you, I want, to join, I want you to join with me in prayer. Uh, why don't you put your hand on your heart and just believe that God can change you, that God can minister. God can give you strength and grace even right now. Father, I just thank you for your spirit that is here with us today. And Lord, um, all over our city right now, there are people tuned in, heard your word. Father, there's things in our life that we are responsible for that you will never ever do for us, that we need to do. But there are some things in our lives that only you can do, oh God. There, there, are, there are some things in life that only only you can do. I just pray that by the Spirit of God right now that you would minister to every individual that strongholds would be broken in Jesus' name. Struggles would be broken in the name of Jesus. Things that people are battling and fighting would be broken in the name of you. Father, I just speak that right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we break bind every work of the enemy every lie of the devil we come against it in the name of Jesus that whatever has been sown somewhere back there shall be broken in the name of Jesus by your grace and for your glory Father that our, our future will not be determined by our past that we will not become prisoners to our past Lord God but that you would set us free to be everything that you've called us to be. 
I pray in Jesus. Father, we just believe for that right now in Jesus' name. Come on, right where you are, in your, in your room right now, in, in your house right now. Just come on, I want you to just reach out to God. Come on, just worship the Lord right now. Come on, He's with you. He's going he's gonna to set you free in the name of Jesus. His power is here. His presence is here to minister to each and every one of us. No, we're not going to stay the same. We, 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 something's going to shift in our hearts in the name of Jesus. Today's going to be a new day in the name of Jesus. By your grace and for your glory. For your glory, Lord God. Father, we just want you to know that we're here. We're available. Use us for your glory. Send us, Lord God. Send us wherever you feel like you need us, Lord God. We're ready to go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.